Hey, this is Rakim, Emacscast, episode 10. Whoa, it's been a while. Yeah, sorry for the delay. The last, the last episode was months and months ago in April, and now it's November. And it's actually the first day of snow. I woke up today to a nice white view here in Helsinki. It's wonderful. The last time I had been recording this, it was the opposite. It was warm spring and sun and now it's uh, barely any light in the morning. But summer wasn't the only reason I didn't record any episodes. Yeah, I've been trying to relax and travel and not really work. For a long while, I just didn't care, to be honest, about Emacs, about this thing. I know it might sound weird on different levels to different people. Like, why would you care? It's a tool. Or how could you not care? It's so awesome and you have a, <laughs> a podcast about this thing. But I found myself, I keep finding myself in these periods of real excitement about something and then total indifference. And I used to really worry about this. I used to think that I get excited about something and then get indifferent about it, even for a period, then it wasn't real. Like I was faking it or I, I wasn't basically an imposter. I was trying to artificially enforce something which wasn't true. I was really worried that I cannot really get obsessed, like in a good good way about something, like get really into something. I even wrote a small essay about this a while ago called Dreaming of Obsession, in which I describe how when I was a kid in, in high school, most of other kids around me had constant obsessions. By constant, I mean they didn't have these periods. So for, for many, it was something like football or cars or video games or martial arts or whatever, something and it seems like everybody had this thing and the thing was permanent in their lives it was like a backbone of their identity even i remember trying to get into it. like i remember consciously picking something and trying and, and forcing myself to kind of like it i had the period of trying to get into football watching games and buying newspapers and trying to discuss stuff uh, and on those all those endless dramas with other people and uh, i just never cared i could sustain this for a while and then of course I understood that yeah this this doesn't work and then I tried something else like video games or rollerblading something it always went like this there's a period of excitement there's a period of well I guess because it's new and I like new stuff and then there's a period of indifference and then there's a period of realizing that I wasn't doing it for real. I didn't really care in the first place. And that kind of made me sad and it felt like I would never get into something. I just cannot get obsessed in any good way. Like I, I have zero interest in things really. The worst part is that I found myself keeping being obsessed with the idea of being obsessed. So instead of getting into video games and playing lots of video games, I would get into video games and read a, a lot about video games or compile these books of cheat codes and really catalog games or, or basically do any meta work around the activity instead of the activity itself. And this is still true for the most part. I'm trying to be conscious about this. I know this isn't really productive, but well, hey, if it's enjoyment, then maybe that's not too bad. It's not like this anymore, uh, but I still have have a certain percentage of that behavior in my adult life, even with seemingly utilitarian things like text editors. 
I could spend, I could easily have months where I spend more time reading about Emacs or, you know, making this podcast, talking to people, watching videos about it. Combining all that time, I would spend more time doing that than actually using my editor. And truth be told, right now, my work isn't mostly about writing. I'm not programming full-time. I'm not writing full-time. I do spend lots of time in Emacs, but it's nothing compared to, you know, full-time programmer who might spend easily five, six, eight hours every weekday in Emacs. So the stakes are different. So when I describe my workflow or my problems or my excitements, I still understand that other people, maybe even you, the person who's listening to my podcast right now, you all are in a somewhat different position. And that adds to this imposter syndrome thing because here I am talking about this tool to you while you are using this tool much more deeply, probably. What is this meandering description all about? I'm trying to describe or justify why I didn't record in so many months. And I'm trying to maybe tell you that I came in terms of this and I think it's okay. I found myself accepting this as it's fine. Yeah, I can get really excited about something and then spend lots of time on it, make a podcast about it and read books or even start writing a book which we'll come back to later. And then for many months, I might just not care. Like I stopped opening the Emacs subreddit, which I opened every day before. I stopped really caring about, you know, like you open Emacs, you have to do something. I still work in it every day, but I started to care less. And, you know, when you do care, when this thing is on your mind, then every day you find things to tweak you find something like this could be improved this could be fixed like this is not optimal and i find myself not doing anything like that like just using something and then yeah this is something could be fixed i guess this this there must be a nicer way that i should do this i should add this at least to my config and just not doing it and i stopped beating myself about it that's it's fine yeah th those periods do come and I guess not all people experience those. Most other people, it seems at least from the outside, it seems like other people, most of them are consistent, permanent, sustainable machines. And uh, if you do this bad thing, comparing yourself to other people, it seems like I'm the opposite. I'm unsustainable. I'm chaotic. What I'm trying to say is if you have similar things, Maybe not about Emacs, but, you know, uh, I get the same feelings about programming in general or a particular programming language. I might get really excited about Clojure, for example, and then, again, for months, just never even touch it because, well, it's not my job, so I have this ability to just forget about things. Well, what I'm trying to say is that's okay. I think that's okay. So if you find yourself in, in a similar position, I think you shouldn't think badly about yourself. Like, this isn't a bad thing. This doesn't describe, this doesn't characterize you as... Uh, imposter or a bad person that's just you know ride the wave that's what i'm trying to tell myself when there is a wave ride it enjoy it then there's some you know still time still seas how do you call it there is a word for still see i really wanted to kind of push myself i know i can i wanted to make an episode about something i probably could but i decided not to push it and just wait at some point it will come naturally or it will never come and then oh i'm sorry it's too bad this is that backwards law if you try something really hard like you try to be happy you try to be productive the opposite happens i know if i try to you know push myself and get back into it then it might backfire and i will actually improve my indifference so i didn't do anything i just waited and at some point i thought hey i just i really want to tweak something <laughs> and uh, talk about it and 
here I am. This is a bad way to explain <laughs> what I should have just said, you know, I, I was busy. I'm trying to be honest and I'm trying to be honest not only in terms of telling you all about it, but in terms of putting effort into this only when it's real. And there's there's always this thin line between what's real and what's discipline, basically. That was... This is the point where you should start listening <laughs> because that was uh, that was weird. Oh, and also... One of the reasons I was kind of busy these past few months is I've been working on a new project, and a part of this project is a new podcast. Now, in Emacs Cast, I'm trying to be <laughs> focusing on Emacs, but as you know, I'm usually talking about something else as well. One of the things that I really want to talk about is different topics in computer science and physics and computing nature of the universe, stuff like that. I decided to do it in a separate podcast. It's called Code Expanse, and it's part of the larger Code Expanse project. I thought maybe you'd be interested in hearing me talk about things like theory of information types in programming languages or the internet and uh, HTTP protocol, things like that. So there are three episodes available at the moment, podcast.codexpanse.com. If you happen to try it out and think something, then let me know. I could really use some feedback. So I usually want to focus on a particular topic in, in each episode. And this time I wanted to focus on closure and on, on ecosystem around closure and how to set up your programming environment, what things and tools are available, how they work in Emacs. I usually start with something like config news, what happened with my config since last time we recorded, what new things, cool things I learned or changed. But since the, there's been this slow Long period, I have more things to talk about in these sections. So I think, especially considering I have this 10 minutes of meandering explanation of my indifference, I would make this episode only about those things, only about tweaks and config updates and commenting and answering a few comments. Next episode, episode 11, will probably be about closure. And episode 12, I plan to talk about LaTeX or LaTeX, uh, which isn't really an Emacs topic, but it's adjacent and you have to deal with it if you deal with org mode, which we all love. All right, so config news. As I said, nothing dramatic happened. Uh, a few things I did is I finally incorporated a brev mode and yes snippet into my workflow. A brev is short for abbreviation, and it's a, it comes built in with Emacs. Comes with standard Emacs distribution. It's a package that lets you abbreviate things and automatically expand things. So you can say ty, hit spacebar, and it will change to thank you, something like this. So it's really simple. There isn't much flexibility. You just put a thing and then put the thing that you want it to expand into. This is such an obvious thing to incorporate into your workflow. It makes things much easier, but it's Another of those things that makes you not want to leave Emacs or write anywhere else, because, well, now there's another crucial thing that if you get used to typing less, having at least 10 different abbreviations that you use every day, then every time you type somewhere else, you will automatically try to do it and nothing happens. And you feel frustrated and you're thinking, why am I doing it this here? I should go into Emacs or something. And um, while I enjoy this uh, improvements in my productivity and, you know, I, 
I want to type less. Still, this kind of feels um, like one more thing that would make you frustrated at other times. Also, didn't use it for a while because I have a system-wide thing of similar functionality. It's called Typinator. It's one of the macOS apps that provides abbreviations and expansion, etc. Another alternative is Text Expander, I think, uh, which is good too. Many other packages for many operating systems have this kind of thing, and you can have it system-wide. So everywhere you type, you will have it. But they're usually paid. They store information in some sort of GUI incorporated proprietary database, while a brev, of course, is just a text file where you have the source, the target, and a number of, like some statistics, a number of how many times you use this abbreviation. And it's easy to sync between machines, easy to edit. I only put a few things in there, and I'm trying to be conscious and only put things that I would use in Emacs. So I, I don't put thank yous or, you know, regular things. I don't put things that I might want to type outside of Emacs. So since I do all my technical writing and programming in Emacs, I only put these things, something related to programming, something related to writing in org mode or markdown and things like that. I highly recommend you to try it. It's it's simple to get into. And there are two adjacent things to this. One is Dynamica Breath, the Breath. And this is basically auto-completion based on the contents of your file. So if you have a word in your file, if you have a word function, then somewhere else you can start typing fun and hit a combo for dubrev expand. It will just expand it to function. I think it plays well enough with company mode with another auto-completion package, which actually shows you a list of possible targets. And it works fine. It's fast and, you know, it does what it does. For some reason, I keep finding myself frustrated or, you know, not frustrated, just not too happy with the ways computers help me lately. So I keep disabling things that universally considered helpful. I'm thinking about disabling any sort of auto-completion altogether. It feels like I don't mind typing more. Just leave me alone, let me type. Maybe this is because I don't type that much. As I said, I don't I don't spend hours and hours only writing, so I guess it's less of a problem to me. I keep seeing these patterns in different areas as well. I don't really want automation because it's implicit and hidden and now I have this complexity to think about. I don't like home assistants, Google assistants, things like that. I don't like, just leave me alone. I, I, I will do everything myself. Don't get in the way. I don't know. It's kind of, I'm fighting the computer lately. I'm trying to do my things and it always tries to kind of help, but it's often unhelpful and sometimes even distracting. But anyway, both a breath and the breath are really nice, but they're really simple. Like if you want to put some templates in it, like maybe you want to not just expand a word into a line of code, but put the cursor somewhere inside, like you want to have this print statement or something long, like in JavaScript, you have to do log.console or sorry, console.log. You want to put the cursor into the brackets, into the quotation marks so that you can actually type something that you want to print onto the screen. This isn't possible with a brev. A brev only changes one set of letters into another set of letters. The thing like ya snippet, which I don't know what ya stands for, it's snippets. And snippets are really powerful. You can have what I just described, having a word 
expand into a line of code and then the cursor will appear exactly where you want it to appear. But it can also create multi-line snippets and it can have multiple points where your cursor goes to. Like if you create a function, you can have a snippet that creates a backbone, the structure of your function, and then the cursor will move into the first position where you have to write the name of the function. And then you hit tab and you move to the next position, which is you define your parameters. And then you hit tab and you get into the body. So you just save lots of movements. And of course, if you are used to any sort of modern IDE, this is how they all work. You have basically templates for all language constructs. And they usually have something like tab completion and tab movement between those positions. It's really simple. Again, config files are just text files with the specific syntax that you can specify where your cursor goes, what kinds of things are expanded, etc. You can actually get lots of templates for different languages. So you don't have to define those functions and classes and stuff like that. Most popular languages are covered so you're good to go. Again, I decided not to use this for any sort of programming. I don't want, like I'm, I'm okay to write functions, but I use it for certain pages that I have to make in Markdown. So there's a website I'm working on and every once in a while I have to create a page which is structurally a copy of another page. So I just put this big skeleton into Yes snippet. Okay, another small improvement is Remember, a couple of episodes ago, I talked about AV go to char, which is an interesting way to navigate to any place on the screen that you currently see. I hit a combo, type a character that I want to go to, and all positions where this character appears on the screen get highlighted and two letters appear on top of them. So then I hit those two letters and I get to the point where I want to go. Now, this is a bit tricky. Like you have to, first of all, hit the character and then keep looking at the position where you've been looking at before and then hit another two characters. And someone suggested that there's a better way called AV go to chart timer. And I knew about it and I didn't even try it because I, from description, I thought this is a bad idea. The idea is instead of hitting one charter that you want to go to, you hit any number of charters. And there's a timer in which you are allowed to keep typing. So let's say by default, it's half a second. Again, I see the word function and there are many functions on the screen, like there are 10 different instances of this word. But I'm looking at one particular function and I want to go there. Before I would hit that combo and I hit F and all Fs would highlight. Not only functions, but all Fs on the screen. And then the one that I've been looking at, there are now two new letters there. I would hit those letters and I would go there. This wasn't super awesome, but it's it's good enough. With AV go to chart timer, I can just write function or, you know, whatever amount of letters I manage to type within half a second. And it's usually three to five characters, which is enough to pinpoint to one particular location. So I dismissed this idea when I, when I read about it in the tutorial, but someone suggested this in the Reddit and I've tried it. And this is actually is perfect. For the most part, I managed to type enough characters so that the position is either pinpointed, so it's unique, or I have maybe one or two options, at which point it's the same. I just hit another two letters and I'm there. There are many commands in this AV package um, to navigate, and one of them is AV go to line, and it's a way to go to any line that you see on the screen. And again, when you hit that combination, all the line numbers become combinations of two letters. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? If you have line numbers enabled, then you can just use, you know, built-in go to line command. You still have to type it. 
So just type the number instead of asking it to change all the numbers into letters and then type those letters. But then I thought this actually makes a bit of sense. Well, it, it makes a lot of sense because, well, first of all, numbers are random, right? There could be a number that you need both hands to type. Like if it's a number 19, then you must use both hands to type 19 or, you know, one hand, but that's a lot of movement. What AV tries to do is when it gives those letter combinations, those aren't random. They try to be as close to one another as possible. So it's usually letters like, you know, JK or OP, something that you can hit within microseconds on one hand, maybe even one finger or adjacent fingers in a super fast, swift gesture. This kind of consistency is in all AV-related comments. Whether you go to a charter or a line, all letters try to be as close to one another as possible. So that's one plus. Another thing is just this mental overhead. If you get used to this weird charter navigation, it kind of feels like the computer gives you commands and you obey, which is kind of weird. Like it says, press this weird combination to go here. And well, I have to press it instead of somehow me telling you to go there. Once you get into it, like just get used to this idea, it becomes kind of natural. And because it's such a nice, usually comfortable gesture combination of letters, you kind of get used to it being unobtrusive and fast and don't think about it too much. Then you kind of want to use it more. So navigating by letters instead of by lines, by line numbers, just makes perfect sense. Okay, next tiny, tiny, small, nice improvement is a guy named Sergey suggested me and made my config <laughs> much better with just one line change. Remember when I was talking about blogging with org mode, I described how I have these capture templates. Anytime when I'm in the Emacs, I can quickly create a draft for a blog post. I started making this web comic. It's on my blog as well, and it's in a different category. I added another capture template to create a new comic. And comics are image files, so the workflow is that I draw the comic, I put it in the folder where they all live, and then I have to create this new post so that it appears on, on my website. When I create that post, I have to type in the name of that file. So I made it so that when I do this capture template, I have to write the name of the JPEG file and it will be added. I don't have to write the actual markdown for image tag. It comes from the capture template logic. And I didn't think too much about it. Yeah, well, I just type in the name. The file is already there. So what Sergey suggested is changing one function to another. Before I had a function called read from mini buffer, which just reads whatever I type in. And this is how I would pass the name of my file to Emacs so that it can be used for this org image capture generation. He changed that function to completing read, another built-in function which lets you select a file from a folder and it works with whatever completion mechanism you have enabled so for me it's iv it works with helm or or with nothing it just shows you the list of files in a particular folder and with iv in my config of iv i can just start typing and it, it would fuzzy match the file name so now i don't have to type the whole file name this is just perfect so thank you sergey all right the last thing I guess I wanted to talk about is hyperkey. So let's talk about arrows. One thing that unites Emacs and VI users is their hate for arrows. I love arrow keys. I use them all the time. And I think one of the reasons that I am comfortable using them is because my keyboard is really, really small. Arrows are actually below the right shift key. And if you look at classic PC keyboard, arrows are way on the right. 
on my keyboard, I don't have to move my hand that much to get to the arrow keys, even when my hands are in the default home position, but I'm also okay just moving my hand. But this is still not perfect. Of course, I don't want to move my hands, like I don't enjoy this, I just don't mind, but it would be cool if you could navigate without moving your hands. Now, in VI, this problem is solved by modes. Your default mode is not the mode in which you type. It's not insertion mode. It's the mode where your keys don't actually type letters, they perform commands. In VI, by default, you have JKL and H instead of arrow keys. Now, I know I alienated lots of people by ranting about modes and VI in one of the previous episodes, and I'm sorry, I will get back to it. There are really nice comments and interesting discussions regarding those things like modes and VI and how how would you use actually VI and Vim editors. I will get back to those. I want to talk about it. I'm not trying to bash VI again. I don't hate it. I actually used it and I enjoyed it. But what I didn't enjoy is these arrows. Maybe it's just I'm a visual person or something, but I want arrows to point and be placed where they are pointing to. So I want my up and down arrows to be below and above. I don't want them side by side. Of course, you can remap this, but you know, then then you have problems with other conflicts in VI, so people usually don't. If you talk about this to either VI or Emacs person, then they will start telling you that, yeah, you have those things and then maybe not ideal. But the point is, you don't want to use arrow keys in general, not here, not anywhere else. Navigating by single charters is not efficient. So you just should think in higher level terms. You think about navigating sentences and words, maybe S expressions in Emacs. The underlying design discourages you to use arrows. This also I disagree with, not because I want to move by charters, but because Arrows are not only to move by characters. Everywhere, be it on macOS or Windows, I use arrows to navigate by anything. Because if you hit different model keys, then you can use arrows to navigate by words, by sentences, by lines. You can go to the beginning or to the end of the file. It covers most of the commands that NVI or Emacs are either specific single keys or combination of keys. Now, I just have different combinations. And those are arrows with command or alt or control. In Emacs, you still have arrows. In VI, you also have arrows. But in Emacs, since there are no modes to simulate arrows, there are combinations with control. There are control P, N, and F, and B. What would be cool is to use something like J, K, L, and I. So if you look at your keyboard, I and K are above and below. They are kind of like up and down. And J and L are left and right. And this is your default position, right? Your index finger on the right hand should be on the J all the time. Now you have arrows on your right hand in your default position. I think there are a couple things that are tied to control and one of these keys by default in Emacs. I think control K was kill line. And for some time I used to put control and J, K, L and I as arrows. And this worked really well. On my left hand, I have control, which is on caps lock. So my pinky finger on the left hand hits the caps lock. And then I have arrows on the right hand. And I encourage you to try it, at least if if you are thinking that your arrow movement isn't ideal. I couldn't stick with it because of those things that I explained. I want 
to also be able to hit control or alt or command to move by different amounts and that becomes tricky if you are already holding control and of course this only works with emacs and if you get used to it that's problem with vi too every once in a while you have to work in some some text field in a browser or some some software and that doesn't work and now you have two modes i'm opposed to modes i don't want different modes of thinking what i now i'm trying to do and this is the backbone of my configuration file is that i try to make emacs as universal as anything else so then i got thinking well maybe there's a way to have this kind of arrow on the keyboard everywhere in the system and indeed there is a way at least on mac i guess it's less of a problem on linux but on the mac you can install specific software that remaps any keys on your keyboard and it's called carabiner elements it allows you to remap anything of course i don't want to remap i j k and l to arrows and then lose these letters although that would be interesting how english would look like without those letters you can easily replace i with two e's j just forget about j k just you see and l well l is tricky this wasn't what i was trying to do what i was trying to do and i did is remap caps lock to hyper and hyper key is this pseudo key which isn't really a real key on the keyboard but it's a combination of all model keys so you can make it that your caps lock is the same as hitting command shift alt and control at the same time turns out there aren't many things in any software that bind to all those four keys and then some letter this makes this key super free now if i have this on my caps lock i suddenly have my whole keyboard and i can do anything for the longest time i used it to launch apps like hyper t would open my terminal hyper m email hyper left and right would split the window to the left and to the right now i can also do hyper i j k and l to have arrow keys and they work everywhere in emacs in vi in anywhere on the system this also enabled me to replace some complex emacs combinations with simpler ones i really struggle with emacs combinations where there's a difference between releasing a key and not releasing a key for example, control C, control N is moving to the next header in an org file. And when I say control C, control N, in Emacs lingo, that means you hit control C and then you don't release control. You hit N while holding control. You know, it's a bit confusing because it seems like you hit control two times, but it's actually not. On the other hand, if someone says you have to hit control C, N, they mean you have to hit control C, then release control and hit N. I struggle with this because these are comments that I don't use all of the time so i forget i often hit the wrong one so instead now that i have basically a new unused model key i can put complex commands there so i can navigate in markdown or org by using hyper maybe arrows or just n something that used to be control c control n now becomes hyper i'm actually not using this hyper key right now it used to be a while ago and now i'm just thinking to maybe get back to it I just wanted to share this because I know from blog posts and Reddit posts that many people struggle with Emacs solely because of key combinations. And yeah, you can configure anything, you can change any combination to anything you want, but in the end, you'll probably face some conflict. Something somewhere wouldn't work, something somewhere would expect. The most painless way to use Emacs is never change default combinations. You can, but if you don't, it's just going to be easier in the long run. So when people say, yeah, it's an extensible 
simple configurable text editor just change it to whatever you want they know it's not that easy i mean you can but then some package expects the default keys or it uses the keys that you map to and now you have a conflict and so introducing a new model key like hyper is a nice way to free from any sort of conflicts in macOS, you actually have this sort of advantage even before artificially introducing HyperKey. It's command, which in Emacs is super key. Not too many packages use it, so it's one of those things that kinda is free for you, but you quickly run out of options because I use it all the time. I put things like moving between lines and opening files and closing files and splitting windows. And for the most part, all the command combinations are now taken. So for something, more complex like this header movements in markdown or promoting and demoting headers in markdown and org mode these or you know or capture which is control c c or control c control c like i don't remember so now i can have this less frequently used but still complex commands be tied to hyperkey. As I said, I'm, I'm trying to share this because if difficult key combinations is the main reason you struggled to get into Emacs, then consider leveraging this hyperkey to mitigate this difficulty. Geez, that was that was a fancy way of saying leverage to mitigate. Okay, so this is getting longer than I expected. And next time, as I said, I want to talk about closure. But first, I will start the next episode talking about or trying to respond in a non-ranty, non-alienating way to really interesting comments about VI and Vim and modes and how they can actually make your life easier if you get into it and how they can seem really kind of stupid if you are not into it not into in a way that you obsessed but in a way that you didn't quite incorporate this language of movement into your workflow and i found this this kind of distinction really common in tools in programming languages in technology something is really life-changing or really efficient really good only if you put enough effort into it well that's obvious right that's how life works but the opposite is true if you don't put enough effort into it like if you try it and you don't put enough effort or you don't understand something you kind of ignore advice and best practices then it's not that it's useless it's actually worse like it makes your life worse it's true for vi in my experience it's true for emacs even if you don't embrace it in some way then it's just worse than what you had before all right thank you so much for listening thank you my patrons for supporting me i love your comments or emails so as always write them wherever or you can contact me directly emacscast at rakim.org thank you cheers